Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Using all of its vast resources in the service of God and man. Hallelujah. Subdue the earth, have dominion, and use these resources to serve God with. Use what is on the earth to serve God with. To serve God and man. That that it is meant for God's provision for us and for us to honor God with the resources of the earth. Hallelujah. Uh, The the New Living Translation says uh, they will reign. When it says let them have dominion, it says they will reign. The Amplified, when it says let them have dominion, it says they will have complete authority. And if you look over at Psalm chapter 8, you'll see that this is an authority that was that provoked question <laughs> it provoked it it was such an authority that somebody asked a question oh my goodness you've given them authority Woo! you've given them some authority look at this it says in verse 4 what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him for you made him a little lower than Elohim the amplified says a little lower than God the word angels is the Hebrew word Elohim and in Genesis chapter 1 it is verse 1 in the beginning Elohim created the heavens and the earth it is the plural plurality of God uh, the Trinity And so it says, you've made him a little lower than Elohim and have crowned him with glory and honor. Now we've got to understand that because this is God's original plan and we're back in this and better in Christ. It says that he he crowned man with glory, weightiness, heavy, authority. When we say someone carries authority with us, someone carries a lot of weight around here, we're talking about that they have influence, that they have authority, that their word means something. Their word means something. We don't take it lightly. It's heavy. It's serious. It's it's influential in our life. And so it says God crowned us with glory. Originally, God crowned man with glory. Glory was the crown. Glory was the covering. Glory was what surrounded us, our clothing. He crowned us with glory and honor. You made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You made him to have dominion. You have put all under his feet. All sheep and oxen, yea, the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the sea. So all is all. 
Hebrews chapter 2, verse 7 or verse 6. But one in a certain place testified saying, What is man that you are mindful of him? Now in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is quoting from Psalm chapter 8 that we just read. What is man that you're mindful of him or the son of man that you visit him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and did set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him. Now, so he was quoting Psalm chapter 8 and he gets to this point and he's got to stop and preach for a minute. He gets to this point and he's like, he, you have put all in subjection under his feet. And then I got to stay right there and expound on this a little bit. For in that you put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. The Weiss translation says he left nothing outside of man's control. That's the amplified, forgive me. He left nothing outside of man's control. The message says nothing was excluded. God's Word translation says nothing was left out. The Weiss translation says not even one thing that is not put under His feet. Not even one thing that is not put under His feet. But then as He is expounding and preaching on this full authority and full dominion, He stops and He says... But now we see not. We see not yet all things put under him. In other words, that was the way God originally created man, but that's not what we see today. That's not what people are generally operating in. And if you stopped right there, you would just need to pull out the blues and sing a sad song. But don't stop right there because it... It continues in verse 9, but we see Jesus. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned, wait, God crowned Adam with glory and honor. The first Adam. And God crowned the last Adam with glory and honor. The glory and honor is the glory that God gives to a righteous man, a, a, a son of God, someone who is alive unto God. He crowned Jesus with glory and honor. We see Jesus. So the angels were saying, and I say angels because in verse 5, he's talking about angels and he says, for unto the angels he's not put. And then he says in verse 6, but one. So that gives me the in inclination that an angel is asking the question, what is man that you're mindful of him? What is man that you're mindful of him? So when, when he says, we don't see man in this position of authority, but we see Jesus, well, I'll tell you where I am, and you tell me where you are. I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. How about you? Are you in Christ? Then when, he, when we see Jesus, that's where we are. That's who we are in Him. 
We have lost our identity. We have died to ourselves, and we have taken on the identity as a son of God, a daughter of God, born of God. And in Christ I have my being. In Christ I live and move and have my being. In Christ I live. It is not I that live, Galatians 2.20. It is Christ who lives in me. So when I see Jesus, I see what I'm supposed to be doing. I see how I'm supposed to be authorized. I see how I'm supposed to be exercising dominion. We see Jesus crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Hallelujah. For it became him for whom are all things. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. It became him. The one for whom are all things and by whom are all things. Just stop and think about that description of Jesus for a moment. Just stop and meditate on that. Him whom, it's for him are all things. All things are for him yeah. and all things are by him. Yeah. All things are for him and all things are by him. And it, it became him. It was pleasing to him. He embraced. He embraced bringing many sons unto glory. He embraced being made perfect through sufferings. Hallelujah. It became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things. In bringing many sons unto glory, it became him to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifies and they who are sanctified are all of one. God sees us in Christ. He says we're all of one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For both he that sanctifies and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call you brethren. And me, brethren. He's not ashamed. He doesn't look at that as a lesser than position. He wasn't in a hurry just to get it over with, to become the lamb and to sacrifice what needed to be sacrificed and to pay the price and let me hurry up and get back to being God. No, he said, it pleases me to become their brethren. God, the Son came to this earth to be our kinsman redeemer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And in doing so, he brought us back to a place of being crowned with glory and honor. He brought us back to that place of, of being glorified in him. I just want to look at, at just one thing in John chapter 17 before I move past this. And, and mostly because of the way the Lord ministered to us about glory in the per previous part of the service. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying. He has just spent 14, 15, and 16 instructing His disciples about some uh, significant changes that will take place as He goes to the cross and the new covenant is established. And he now in chapter 17 begins to pray to the Father and he uh, brings 
this glorify verb, this word glory and glorify into his prayer multiple times. For instance, in verse 1, he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. That's a pattern. You know, in the blessing, he says, I've got to make your name great for people to see that it's me who's blessed you. Um, That's what he says when he talks about in Jeremiah chapter 33. He says that they will fear and tremble at all the goodness I've procured unto you. (laughs) Hallelujah. A symbol of the blessing, a symbol of a covenant with God. What does it look like for people who serve God? God wants people to be able to look at us and see. This is what it looks like to serve God. And he wants it to be a victory story. He wants it to be an overcoming story. That's why he wants his goodness on display because he, he's, he's in the market to give more. <laughs> he's in the market to spread it around to people who don't have it. He, he's willing to offer goodness to them and save them too. Amen? And so Jesus said, glorify your son that your son may glorify you. And then in verse 4, he says, I have glorified you on the earth. I have glorified you on the earth. And then he begins to pray for the disciples. And he says in verse 21 that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. This is how I want them to be. You're in me and I'm in you. And we know it was the Father in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Amen? Amen. He said that they may all be one. And it, didn't, that, didn't we just see he that sanctifies and, and those he sanctifies we are of one? That they, that they may be one following the same pattern that you and I are one so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one even as we are one. Hallelujah. The glory that God the Father gave to Jesus, Jesus has given to His saints, His his born-again believers. We are recipients of Jesus' glory. But remember what glory was connected to? Authority. He said, you've crowned him with glory and honor. You've crowned him with glory and honor and you've given him dominion over the works of your hands. So the glory is so that we can carry God's weight into any situation and see the will of God done. So that we come in carrying the influence of God and we turn the situation to go in God's direction. The direction that the will of God would establish in that situation. And he said, this glory gives us unity. He said in verse 24, Father, I will that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. So as we look on his glory... We're able to operate in the glory that the Father has given to Jesus that Jesus has given to us. So we've got to behold His glory so we know what we look like. 
I believe that's what James is talking about when he says people look in the mirror and then they walk away and forget what they look like. I think that, he, that he's talking about that we're supposed to look into the mirror of the Word and see how much we look like Jesus and then keep that in, the, in, our, in our perceptions. I look like Jesus. I don't look like a failure. I look like an overcomer. I don't look like a weakling. I look like a strong, victorious believer. I look like a child of God. That we can keep in our perception the glory God has given us and the purpose of the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is to do the will of God. So let's go back to the book of Genesis. We're going we're gonna to switch gears here and come back to the will of God. And, and Jesus being the connection to the will of God. And, and we're looking at, in this original plan, what God established as the tools for the plan or the, the enablements for the plan. We know He has commanded the blessing, and the blessing is an enablement. So when He speaks the blessing, the power to be fruitful was in the spoken blessing. The power to have dominion was in the words He spoke. The enablement to do it was in Him speaking it. So He pronounced it, giving us the ability to have dominion, to subdue, and to be fruitful. And then in Genesis chapter 2, He gives an instruction. He gives an instruction in verse 15. And the Lord took the man and put him into the garden of Eden. He put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded, the Lord God commanded the man. Saying of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Now the command came with provision. Right here was provision. Every tree of every tree of the garden you may freely eat but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it well the emphasis should be on every other tree including what else would have been in that that of every other tree what what other what tree would he should have been the emphasis the tree of life the tree of life was there with an open invitation to eat of it Of every tree, including the tree of life, you may freely eat. There's only one tree, and it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's the tree I do not want you to eat of. And this is why I don't want you to eat of it. But it says, you shall not eat of it for or because in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. In dying, you shall die, the original Hebrew says. In dying spiritually, you'll eventually die physically because we know Adam did not physically die the moment he ate it, but he did die spiritually the moment he ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And years, many years later, over 900 years later, he died physically because God created our bodies to live forever. Death is an enemy. It's the last enemy that will be put underfoot. It's not natural. It's not natural. It's something that we're dealing with in this era, but it's not natural because God created us to live forever. And He meant for them to eat of the tree of, the, of life. He did not want them to eat. It was not the will of God. 
It was not the will of God. And he did his part to protect them from what was not his will. And this is where this idea of sovereignty that God allows it would people would say well God allowed him to eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge God didn't want him to so that allowing was because God had a given man a will God's will was established in his command in his instruction and instruction or you could say the command of God is a standard of God's dominion if 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 that it's a standard of the dominion of God. He gives us instruction so that we have something to obey. Because the blessing is connected to obedience. The, he wants obedience because that's safe for us, that's good for us, that's what connects us to the blessing. He gives us the command, but He won't make us do it. He won't make us obey Him. He wants us to. It is the will of God for, for none to perish, but for that all would come to know Jesus as Lord and to be saved. But he's not going to make anybody get saved. It's not his will. But sometimes things happen that are not his will, and God didn't allow it in the sense that he said, that's okay with me. It's not okay with him. He doesn't want it. It's, it's a really twisted thinking and, and I dare say it has in, in crept into more people's thinking, not you I hope, but more people's thinking than they even realize sometimes. Because I've had good meaning people who love the Lord tell me that God allowed me to be molested so that I could have a testimony like I have. And when I first got saved, I thought that sounded good. Until a few months into the Word, and I began to know God. And I realized my Father would never, my Heavenly Father would never have been okay with that. He didn't allow that to happen to me so I could have a testimony. That would be like an earthly father saying, come in and do this so that one day they'll, they'll have a testimony. We'd put them in prison. If an earthly father did that, right? But do you see that idea of God allowed it? God allowed it. God allowed it. The, the will of God was established in His Word to them. God did not allow them in the sense that He gave any approval for them eating of the fruit of the tree, fruit of the tree of the good of, of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's a mouthful. Don't try to say it six times. He did not want it. He did everything in his power to keep them from it. But it was not God's position to make them not do it. It was not his position to show up and say, slap that fruit right out of their mouth and say, don't. Stop! Don't eat it! It wasn't his right to do that. It wasn't his place. He gave them the choice. He gave them the choice. And in the instruction was his will. 
In the word that God gave them to act on, there was his will. That's where we see what God wanted, but what God wanted is not what they did. Who, so, so before we move away from this, Jesus made a statement in Luke chapter 6, verse 46. He said this, he said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do the things which I say? Now, it, can you, he was kind of sassy, wasn't he? Can you see Pastor Jesus? Can you see him in the pulpit saying, Why call ye me Lord, Lord? That was, that was bold, wasn't it? Why do you call me Lord, but you won't act on what I say? But the, the key in that is, I'm not Lord if you're not obeying me. Amen. You can call me that, but it's just your mouth. It's not your heart. It's not real unless you're acting on my words. What's the reality of my lordship is you do my commandments. You do what I say. We know Jesus is the Word. The Word made flesh, John 1, 14 tells us. So let's look over at John 14. Where's the will of God? It's in the Word of God. So Jesus, the Word made flesh, He demonstrated the will of God, but the Word to us from God is also the will of God for our lives. And acting on it connects us to the will. John 14, 21 says, He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. Who? Who loves me? Oh, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Well, evidence that you love me is that you have my command. Not that you say it, but that you have and keep. This word have means to hold, to possess, to cling or adhere to. To cling or adhere to. And the word keep means to attend to carefully, to watch over, to prevent from escaping. And it implies a fortress or full military lines. Got all the soldiers out there guarding it. So it's not just doing it, but keeping it in my heart. Not just doing it, but don't let anything uh, deceive me about what God said. Don't let my flesh talk me into doing something. I mean, because you think about it. Think about it. It's not, the enemy uses what sounds like your thoughts. The, 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 sometimes it is just the carnal mind talking us out of tithing, talking us out of forgiving. Our emotions say, I cannot forgive that person for what they did. It's not an emotional choice. I mean, when you bring it down to the word, Jesus said that you forgive so that your Father in heaven can forgive you. He brings it down to a commandment that is not optional. So I can't let my emotions take me out of obedience because what it will do is disconnect me from the will of God. So he says, if you have my commandments 
and keep them. You're the one who loves me, and he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Hallelujah. That's a lot of recompense and reward for having and keeping the commandment. Hallelujah. And this is how important. 1 John 5, 1 John 5 and verse 2. says, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. By this we know. So we're looking for evidence, right? By this we know that we love God, that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. Or you could say, this is loving God. This is how to love God. There was a book that came out probably about 15 or 20 years ago called The Love Languages. Gary Chapman, I think, was the author. He wrote about the love languages. And some people, giving is their love language. Some people, uh, different works, expressions of their love language. Well, here's God's love language. Here's what is evidence to God that we love Him, that we keep His commandments that we guard His commandments, that we're doer of, doers of His Word. Amen? Amen? This is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is... Wait a minute. <laughs> Keeping the commandments is the qualifying for the victory that overcomes the world? Hallelujah. You can't separate them. You can't choose not to be a doer of the word and expect to get victory results. You can't say, I'm not going to obey God and expect his victory to operate. So, so the connection is, I will manifest myself to you. The Father will love you. I will love you. We'll come make our abode in you. We'll manifest ourselves to you. You'll be able to know the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God as you renew your mind to his word right? I'll manifest myself to you. But what's it connected to? Do the word. Act on the word. Keep the word. Guard the word. Consider the word is my connection to the will of God. The word is my connection to the will of God. Now in Genesis chapter 3, other words, remember I said there was God's will, there's man's will, and then there's Satan's will. And and. Satan wants to exert his will into people's lives, but he can't do it without cooperation. He can't do it without cooperation. Any person, even if they are fully serving sin and 100% spiritually dead, if they hear the good news, and choose to accept Jesus as Lord, the devil cannot stop them from getting saved. There's nothing he can do to stop if they'll take the word. Because remember what John 1 says, to as many as received him, the word, to them he gave the power to become sons of God. So no matter how far a person is in sin 
and how far away they've gone from God and how, how uh, uh, rotten their life is at any moment. The moment they receive the word, the devil cannot stop them from walking after God. Amen? Amen. So here in Genesis, we see in chapter 3, Satan presented his will to Adam and Eve. It says in verse 1, The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, has God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman, so he has, what is he doing to attack her? She doesn't know it's an attack, and she never resisted in any way. This is, uh, this is what's sad about this story, is that she, she conversed with no resistance. She allowed the conversation to continue, never exerting her authority, never saying, I'm not listening to that. Never resisting in any way. She allowed the thought to, to be presented in those words and then she accepted them long enough to think about them and respond. And so she, he said, has God said? Questioning, did God say that? Is that what God said? And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it. Can you find that? Is, did anybody, we read what God said. Did we read what God said? Where did God tell her don't touch it? I see that God told them, put them in the garden to dress it and to keep it. There was no problem with touching it. The problem was with partaking of it, eating it. So now she's added something to the word that the word didn't say. You know, cleanliness is next to godliness. That's not scripture. I mean, it's a good motto, but it's not scripture. Someone came to argue with Keith Moore after he administered a sermon. And she was really upset and furious and she was telling him how wrong his sermon was. And he was saying, but ma'am, I read it right out of the Bible. And she said, yeah, but the hymn. She wanted to quote the hymnal over the Bible. In her mind, the hymnal, it's the way the song says, not the way the scripture is written. Have mercy. But she has added to the word. So we recognize now she wasn't established on what God said. She hadn't rehearsed. She didn't guard it and keep it. She didn't have it. Remember what Jesus said? If you'll have my commandments and keep them. He that has my commandments and guards them like a fortress. No, God said. No, no, God said. No, God said. God said. He'll make my way straight. God said no evil shall befall me. No plague shall come. No, God said. Resisting. The opportunity. She added to the word something that wasn't in the original instruction God gave. And now the enemy knows. Now he knows. You know, he, he knows what God said. He's not asking because he is clueless. He's asking to find out if she knows what God said. When, when he quoted the scripture to Jesus. And he said, yeah, but you can, the angels. 
you can cast your down for yourself uh, uh, down from this high place because you know this it is written so you know Jesus had responded to the the devil with it is written so Jesus you know when he said uh, it is written the enemy said well it is written God will give his angels charge over you he's trying to take the word out of context and use it because Jesus said you shall not tempt the Lord your God and he said well he'll give his angels charge over you no that's not the place for it right he's trying to take he's trying to see if he can use the word to trip him up when brother Hagen was healed had gotten out he was a young boy 16 years old 16 and a half years old had been in bed paralyzed from the waist down for 17 and a half, maybe uh, uh, over 17 months. He had been, uh, uh, they had told him he wouldn't live past a certain age. He had organs in his body and parts of his body that had not been formed correctly. He had been born premature. He had, uh, his blood was orange, so they think he had a sort of a blood disease. And he, he was paralyzed. The day that God healed him, God healed him. He, he stood on Mark chapter 11 and, and God instructed him how to believe God. He got healed. He's up and he hears. He comes back. He's kind of tired. He comes back from breakfast. You know, he's not been out of bed in over a year. And so he's 89 pounds, he said, and with no meat on his bones. He was just bony. And he said, I was weary. And so I came back to rest for a minute and I heard a voice. And it was so real. I heard this voice say, it is appointed unto man once to die. And he said, I thought it was God. I thought God has healed me and now he's going to take me home. And he said, I sat there all day waiting to die because he, he was so convinced that was God's voice because he said it was real. I could hear it. My, my hairs on my, my, my arms stood up. I, it was so real to me. God said, it is appointed unto man once to die. And he said his mother brought lunch. And he said, I was waiting to die. I didn't even eat lunch. It kind of upset me because I thought here he's healed me. And now he's going to take me home. And he waited all day to die. And as he's sitting there in his rocking chair waiting to die, in his heart, a scripture comes up. It says, with long life, I'll satisfy you. But it was so soft that he, he reasoned away. He said, no, no, no. God told me he's going to take me. God told me it's appointed for me to die. Because it was real. I heard the voice. It was dramatic. It was spectacular. And so he disregarded that little prompting in his heart. So he said, he sat there a few more hours into about dinner time. And, and again, he's waiting to die, but this little thought just comes up in his heart, just this little prompting that says, with long life I'll satisfy you. And about the third time after he sat there all day long, about the third time that, it, that little still small voice, he said, is that in the Bible? And he said, I looked down on the floor and there was the Bible. He said it had been there the whole time with the answer in it. While he was sitting there waiting, you know, and reasoning in his mind, he said, I picked it up. And the Spirit of God directed me over to... He didn't even know it was in the Bible, but the Lord directed him to where it was in the Bible and he found it in Psalm 91. With long life, they'll satisfy you. And he realized that wasn't God. 
That wasn't the voice of God. That was the enemy using a scripture. That is a scripture. It is appointed unto, but it wasn't fitting for the case. It is appointed unto man once to die, but there's no appointed day. There's no expiration date on your foot. There's not an appointed day that thus saith the Lord on January such and such. No, on the, it, 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 uh, we will all accept the Lord come before in the rapture. And so he learned a valuable lesson. The difference between the voice of God, still small spirit in the, in the inward witness in his heart and recognizing what the enemy was trying to bring him acting like it was scripture, acting like it was the word. Uh, there was a woman who uh, had just been saved in this church. She had not been saved very long. She was a new convert. She had spent all of her years prior to knowing Jesus in, um, in uh, worshiping and uh, um, she was from China, uh, from, from the Orient, and they had statues of Buddha in their house. I mean, they had big statues of Buddha in their house. And so when they got born again, she even got her parents led to the Lord, and they got the statues out, and they're worshiping God in this church. They'd only been there a short time. And this minister came into the area and was having a Bible study, and so the pastor of the church said, well, I'll just take my Bible study over and support this other meeting. And he said about the first couple of times that he went, it was good. It was, it was scriptural and he was enjoying it. And he said, but about three or four weeks into it, the man started saying things that were not in the Bible. And I went to him and I confronted him, the pastor of this church where the woman attended. I went to him and I said, what you're saying is not in here. What you're preaching is not right. And the man said, oh, I went out beyond that a long time ago. And well, the pastor said, well, I'm pulling my people out of here. But a group, a large portion of his group had heard enough error and liked that they stayed. And he lost those people. But do you know that woman who had just been saved, that new convert, she said, after the first day, something in here just kept telling me, don't go back. Don't go back. And she followed this and, and avoided all of the deceit that led those other people into error. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've got to recognize the will of God is in the Word. And if I'll stay connected to the Word, I'll stay safe. If I'll stay connected to the Word, I'll stay in a position where God can direct me and protect me. And so the enemy is using uh, words to present his will to Eve. Just the same way God used words to present his will to us. He said to Adam and Eve, you can eat the fruits of these trees except the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat the fruit of that tree and dying you shall die. I don't want you to eat it. That was God's will in his word. And Satan brought his will. And he says, You shall not surely die. 
That was an out and out lie. There was no basis of truth to that. They will surely die. You shall not surely die. I mean, just openly against, contrary to what God said. No, that's not what it means. Well, you know, it's okay to abort your baby if this happens. That's a lie. That's a lie. But how many people are living with that lie today? Live and defending that lie and making it, it, the word of God is not political. It's not political. It is not a political issue. It's a scriptural issue. It's a, it's a light and darkness issue. It's a truth and light issue. It, it's, it's, this is truth. That's a lie. This is light. That is darkness. God created man and woman. God created man. God created woman. That's a scriptural issue. But the will of Satan is presented in words. Just the same way God... Because he's a mimic. He's a mimic. He's a copycat. He's trying to present his will. You shall not surely die... For God knows that in the day you eat thereof, now he's going to attack God's character as if God is trying to keep them from something that they need or that they would be benefited by or that would be pleasurable to them. Because look, it says in verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was not. It was not. There was nothing good for food about that tree. It was not good for food. There were all the other trees in the garden. They were good for food. That one wasn't. When the woman saw that it was pleasant to the eyes, it was not. If God said it'll cause death, it's not pleasant to look at. When the woman saw it was a tree to be desired to make one, she had access to everything God knew. Before she fell. So what makes her think she's going to know something more by eating fruit that's going to cause death to enter her spirit? Deception. The enemy's will was presented in words and when they acted on his words, and this is what I say about our, our creation, our design. We, you know, the moon doesn't have moonlight it reflects the light of the sun moonlight did not originate in the moon it's reflecting what the sun is shining on it what we reflect is is who we're connected to and when we connect to God we'll we'll reflect his light but when people connect to Satan's will by acting on deception and acting on the lie, and acting on things that are exalting themselves against the knowledge of God. When they act on those things, they connect to the will of Satan, and the will of Satan has an access point into their life. Praise the Lord that we have His Word to connect to. Praise the Lord that we have His Word to connect to. When they connected to God, 
they connected, they fell from a position and Satan became Lord over them the way God had once been Lord over them. We see in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4 that the Bible in the New Testament refers to Satan as the God of this world. It is not an uppercase letter G. It is a lowercase letter G representing the word manager. He is not the owner of this world, but he's in a position over the world system he is not in a position over me or you. He is the God of this world. And how does he operate? By blinding the mind. That's what he wants to use in the lives of people who are not walking in the word and believing the word. He blinds the mind with this mind-blinding technique. He is trying to stop the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God from shining into them. He's trying to blind them so they can't see truth. Blind them so they can't see Jesus. And that's what happened to Eve. Eve's mind changed. She had mind renewal in the wrong direction. She fell from knowing God's thoughts falling down to sense knowledge evidence because she acted on the words of Satan. And... Her mind was blinded and she saw the tree as good for food. She thought it was pleasant to the sight. She would never thought it was pleasant to the sight before. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. Colossians 1:13 Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness delivered us from the power this word power is the word exousia and it means authority rule or government or jurisdiction God has delivered us from the jurisdiction of darkness He has delivered us from the authority the government of darkness and has transferred, translated, carried away, moved us into the kingdom, the dominion of His Son, His dear Son, the Son of His love, the Amplified says. So a, a, those who are not in Christ are still under the jurisdiction of darkness. They may not be demon-possessed. Not every unsaved person is demon-possessed, but they are still under the control through the desires of their flesh. That's what Ephesians 2 says. Ephesians 2, verse 1. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, where in time past you walked, we walked, according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air. And that's another reference to the God of this world. We walked according to his influence because he was mind-blinding us and, and directing us in darkness. We walked according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is working in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our behavior 
And the word conversation in the New Testament is the word that is defined behavior. It's talking about your actions and your verbal conversation. It says, we all had our behavior in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature the children of wrath. We are not by nature the children of wrath today. We are, we are partakers of His divine nature, Peter tells us. His divine nature. So uh, my nature was changed when I was saved. Amen? And I am no longer walking in the darkness, fulfilling the lusts of my flesh, fulfilling the desire of my mind. Hallelujah. But those people who are under that governing of darkness, that's what they have to offer them. Ephesians 6 and verse 12. Ephesians 6, 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against, and this word against is purposefully repeated. And it's purposefully repeated to emphasize this, uh, um, this confrontation. The word against means face to face, and it represents close contact battle. We wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Against. Those things are operating, but they're not victorious over us. It says that we are strong in the Lord and the power of His might. We can stand against all of those. Verse 11 says we can stand against all the wiles of the devil. Be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. With the armor of God, it doesn't matter if it's a principality, a ruler of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness. I'm in Christ. And I can stand against. Hallelujah. And then in Luke 4, we see evidence of in the temptation of Jesus. Luke 4. And verse 5 through 8. And the devil taking him up into a high mountain showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give you. And this word power is speaking of authority. What is he showing him? Dominions. Showed him all the kingdoms, the dominions, the jurisdictions of the world that were under his control and he said I will give them to you and the glory of them for that is delivered to me God didn't deliver it to Satan God didn't deliver that to Satan God gave that to Adam and Adam delivered that to Satan when he fell it came because he submitted to Satan and it says in Romans that death reigned. And through that spiritual death, the enemy was governing over what had been delegated to Adam. But we're not in Adam anymore. We all were born out of Adam's lineage, but those of us who are born again, we've been raised with Christ. Christ. 
Those of us who are born again, we have been translated out of the authority, the jurisdiction of darkness. So that, that jurisdiction is there, but it's not over me. The kingdom I'm operating in is the kingdom who has the greater authority because Jesus has gained. He has been, he has been uh, delegated the universal-wide authority in, in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And Jesus said to us, He said, All power is given unto me, now you go in my name. And in my name is a delegation of power. It's a delegation of authority. You go and I'm delegating to you authority to do my will and to see my will done in the lives of others. Go make disciples. You know what disciples do? They learn the word and do the will. Disciples have and keep the word. He said, go make disciples. Teach people how to connect to the will of God and disconnect from the will of Satan by being doers of the word, by being disciplined in the word, by letting the word of God bring me into the good and acceptable and perfect will of God so that the will of God is what is dominant in my life and the will of God is governing my finances and the will of God is governing my marriage and the will of God is governing my children and the will of God is governing my destiny and my future and my activities and the will of God be done. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's, a, that's our testimony. God's will done in me like it is in heaven. Why? Because I'm doing the word and God's will is being done in me. Amen? Praise the Lord. We'll have to come back to this because I only got through the first half page of my notes. And I took every moment. So that's my last and final close. Stand with me to your feet today. Praise the Lord.